Everybody, welcome into another episode of Fantasy Football 101. I'm your host, Jake Rip, and you are listening to the 101 of Fantasy Football Podcasts. All right, we're back for another episode of Fantasy Football 101, and we got both of the Hall brothers with us. Last week, you heard at the end of the last episode, Nate came through with the most clutch prediction on Jeff Wilson, of all people. Uh, D Hall's prediction being that the the Seahawks and Cowboys would be under 40 points combined. Uh, <laughs> Nate, you want to comment on that and maybe take a victory lap real quick? Absolutely. My man, Jeff, I called him up and uh, he was talking to McKinnon. And basically what he said to McKinnon was, yo ass better get somebody. <laughs> and I said, Jeff, lock it in. We can take victory laps later on another episode. Let's get into what we got going on today. We're going to hit waivers, but first we're going to do a little bit of you blew it, a little bit of, man, I'm glad I called that guy. Let's start with the guys that you did not want to have in your lineup and go to Darren Waller against the New England Patriots. You blew it! And now I'm going to take my victory lap because I had to eat shit last week after Darren Waller came out and was targeted 16 times and had 100 yards and a touchdown. Perhaps the Darren Waller truthers might have taken their victory lap a little prematurely. This, to me, was a classic missed opportunity for Darren Waller owners to make a trade because now they're stuck on what's going to be the Darren Waller roller coaster for the rest of the season. You had a chance at his peak value to trade him and a side piece for a a Zach Ertz. Uh, and speaking of which, Donnie, do you want to apologize to everyone for saying that Darren Waller was way better than Zach Ertz and it's not even close? Sorry, people. I uh, I went with a better player with a better talent, and I still think it's Darren Waller over Zach Ertz. Rest of the season, it's not close. Now, that's just an ignorant take right there. Given I'm the heel of this podcast. Nate's yeah. coming on here. He's all nice and soft. Nah, I'm the heel. All yeah, your you players said, suck. Yeah. All your All my players are great. All I got to say is, who are you going to listen to? The guy who called Jeff Wilson or the guy who thought that Seattle Dallas would have 40 points combined? That's Or the guy who told everyone all offseason that Calvin Ridley was going to be a top 10 receiver. Oh, wait. Yeah, he got that wrong. He's top five. We're getting off the rails here. We're getting off the rails. Donnie, last week you did say Darren Waller, tight end four. Are you legitimately standing by that now? Yes, 100%. Nate, what, what's Darren Waller the rest of the season? Rest of the season, tight end eight. Lock it in. Oh, man. All right. The big difference between tight end four and tight end eight, we're going to have to see. But I think I lean more towards the tight end eight. Either way, if I'm the Darren Waller owner, I'm just praying for another big breakout game so that you have a chance to sell him. And I mean, that's that's got to be what it is, because otherwise you're going to get stuck with these games where you see four targets, two receptions, nine yards, 1.9 fantasy points. That's just not getting the job done. Donnie, I want to go to you again on this next guy on You Blew It. Joe Mixon, man. You blew it! What is going on with this guy? I mean, he was taken as a top eight running back consistently in drafts. 
And I think this is Mixon's second appearance on this segment of the show through three weeks. He had an entire overtime in this game against the Eagles to accumulate more points, but he poops again. He has no touchdowns through three weeks. He has not surpassed 50 rushing yards in the past two weeks. As the Mixon owner, Donnie, is it time to smash the panic button? It's close. It is close, Jake. Uh, you have to look at a couple of different things here. Two of the three teams that he played, actually all the three teams that he played in the Chargers, the Browns, and the Eagles all have really great front sevens. Yes, it's very, uh, you know, it's very underwhelming, very disappointing, but he is getting the volume. Next week, he has a prime matchup against the Jags. This is something that we need to look forward to. This is something, if he doesn't do it in this week, much like we talked about last week with Allen Robinson, who had a great game, uh, came back and bounced back as a top five performance. If Mixon doesn't prove himself and come back a little bit this week coming up, then it's time to hit the panic button. Then it's time to figure out, okay, how am I going to move him? How many he needs to have one good game where I need to ship him off. I don't think that you can trade Mixon right now because his value is at an all-time low. In fantasy football or in anything, you don't trade someone at values at an all-time low. I think that Kenyon Drake's in the same boat as Joe Mixon. You just It's a hold. And as painful it is, as it is, you hold on to him. You hope that better days are come. And then you try to trade him. Uh, while I agree with that assessment, D. Hall, I'm going to ask you, Nate, if you had Joe Mixon, what can you expect to get in return if you did want to trade him? What's the best case scenario? Best case scenario is a one for one for James Robinson, I think. Some sort of solid RB2 who have that RB1 upside. But I, I am actually on the opposite side of D. Hall here. I think Donnie's being modest because he owns Joe Mixon in our league. I think he has to say these things. Um, but I am smashing the panic button on Joe, Joe Mixon. Cue panic button noise, whatever. <laughs> I think I think it's done deal for him, man. I don't think he'll ever see a positive game script in his favor this season. Um, their defense is horrible. He's never going to get that high carry where they're going to try and grind out the clock. And last year when we saw Mixon be good, um, he was the only offensive player on that weapon who was grinding and the only good player. Now we have, I think that kind of goes over to Burrow and Burrow has those games now where he's carrying the offense compared to where Joe Mixon was carrying the offense at the end of last year during his hot streak. So if you can get rid of Mixon for, for anything, especially James Robinson's the best case you can get for him. Worst case is like someone like fringe RB two who has talent that could pop. So let me ask you this, Nate. Would you trade Joe Mixon for Mark Ingram? I think I would. I would rather have Mark Ingram on the better offense with the touchdown opportunities than have Joe Mixon and pulling my hair out, watching him get me six points a week in my lineup. Okay. Agree to disagree on that one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah fair enough. And to be fair, I might lean Joe Mixon in that scenario too. But uh, let's move on. How about Josh Kelly? You blew it! You know, Donnie, you're the Joe Mixon owner, but... Uh, Nate, you're the Josh Kelly guy. You know, I've, I really viewed Kelly as like a solid, safe flex play going into this week against the Carolina defense that's been terrible at stopping the run. Uh, we discussed Kelly a little bit on our last show and talked about how we needed to kind of temper expectations. And this is exactly why. Austin Eckler came out 12 attempts in this game, and he returned to that receiving upside that made him a top 12 running back in a lot of drafts this season. Uh, his stat line ended up being 12 attempts for 59 yards and a touchdown. 
and then 11 targets, 11 receptions for 84 yards. Uh, so needless to say, that discussion we had last week about Josh Kelly versus Austin Eckler, uh, that discussion does not need to be had. Nate, is Josh Kelly more game script dependent than we anticipated? 19 attempts in week one, 16 attempts in week two, just eight attempts in week three against Carolina. Most definitely. I think if you're going to see a good game from Josh Kelly, that uh, the Chargers have to be up by at least two touchdowns because anything close, they want their better back in the backfield, and that's Austin Eckler. Yeah, and that's tough, though, because how many positive game scripts can you expect to see from the Chargers? I mean, Donnie, if you had Josh Kelly, are you trying to move him, or are you just going to roll with the punches and just hope for the better game scripts and work him in as a flex as needed? I think both those running backs are very good. I think uh, that in true talent, I don't think it's that far of a gap between Austin Eckler and Joshua Kelly. Joshua Kelly is very good. You, Jake, you put us at a stat. He had the exact same statistics as Jonathan Taylor, who everyone is revered and reserved as a top 10 running back this year. If Austin Eckler were to get hurt at any time, uh, Joshua Kelly becomes a top 10 running back. All right, that's enough talking about the guys who stunk this week. How about the guys that you were hoping you had on your roster or rather you weren't playing against this week? And we'll start with Tyler Lockett versus Dallas, man. Man, I'm glad I called that guy. 13 targets, nine receptions, 100 yards, and three touchdowns. Guys, Russell Wilson is playing at beyond an MVP caliber this season. Lockett's worst game so far this season came in week one against Atlanta. Eight targets, eight receptions, 92 yards, and 13 fantasy points. Man, I'm glad I called that guy. So there's the discussion about, you know, who would you rather have, DK Metcalf or Tyler Lockett? DK, eight targets, four receptions, 110 yards, and a touchdown. Should have been two. Should, should have been two. Yeah, he got a little cocky there. Uh, but as far as fantasy points this season, DK has 54. Uh, Tyler Lockett now at 64. As far as I'm concerned, there appears to be room in this offense for both Tyler Lockett and DK to be top 15 wide receivers, especially if Russell Wilson is going to keep playing like he's playing. But, uh, Nate, I'll kick it over to you. To you. Who would you rather have rest of season, uh, Tyler Lockett or DK Metcalf? Yeah, rest of the season, I'm probably going Lockett just because he has that. I mean, it, it's not to say Metcalf doesn't have a rapport with Wilson, but Lockett and Wilson have been together for a while, and we've seen them do this type of thing before. And I, it, it's clear, actually, to see that Wilson – or that uh, – Lockett is Wilson's first look when he's going downfield. In most situations, he's his look, first look, and Metcalf is typically the second look. So, yeah, I'd probably go Lockett in that situation. Guys, how about Keenan Allen this week? Man, I'm glad I called that guy. A good rule of thumb for NFL offenses, if you want to have production out of your wide receivers, you target your best player 20 times. Very simple, very easy recipe. Uh, I'll state the obvious here by saying he had a cakewalk matchup against Carolina that couldn't have been much better for Keenan Allen. But how contingent is Keenan Allen's success on Justin Herbert being under center? Uh, do we? And on top of that, do we as assume that Justin Herbert starts the entire season over Tyrod Taylor, Nate Hall? Yeah, I, th I definitely think we're going to see Herbert starting. They did drop the game to Carolina, which does not help his case in the in the eyes of Anthony Lynn. Mm -hmm. But I do think 
just my opinion on Keenan Allen. I owned him all last year in in our league of record, our big league, and he is a very very streaky wide receiver. He gets those big games, he gets the blow up games, and then he'll go back down to three or four catches for fifty yards. But that was with Philip Rivers, so this could be. Um, a change in which Herbert constantly sees the one of the best route runners in the league constantly open. It's definitely possible that this man could keep his streak going. What do you think, Donnie? So I'm going to say one thing and one thing only about Keenan Allen. 19 targets. I don't know if I even gave the stat line yet, but 19 targets, 13 receptions, 132 yards, and a touchdown good for just under 25 fantasy points. Yeah, he now. killed it. If you know, And, and good for Herbert. Herbert goes, who's my best player on offense? Who's my best receiver? It's that guy. And I'm going to get him the ball early and often and all game long. 19 targets speaks for itself, man. And you give any receiver, especially a route running savant like Keenan Allen, you give him 19 targets, he's going to produce, man. No doubt. Guys, Alvin Kamara. Man, I'm glad I called that guy. If I told you he had six attempts in this game, how many fantasy points would you have assumed he scored? That's that's definitely a trick question because we know this man. We know this man could get mad receptions, especially with Michael Thomas out. Listen, it was but, it was it was probably a good call for New Orleans to pay this guy. Uh, his pass catching upside is absolutely insane. Just six attempts on the ground for fifty eight yards, uh, decent yards per carry, by the way. But fourteen targets, thirteen receptions, one hundred and thirty nine yards, and two touchdowns. That's a forty burger right there. Yeah. And you're happy if you get that from one of your wide receivers, let alone your running back. But with Drew Brees, you know, kind of winding down his career and he's dishing off those passes to Alvin Kamara, I expect to see this on a regular basis, even after Michael Thomas returns. But we're looking at 21 fantasy points in week one, 34 pa- fantasy points in week two, 40, pa- 40 fantasy points in week three. I'm going to ask you guys. Very straightforward. Is Alvin Kamara the RB1 in 2020? Yes. Tentatively, yes, because of the injuries. Yes. That's the correct answer, Nate Hall. Yes, I agree. Uh, So here's a couple things I want to talk about quickly with Alvin Kamara. Yes, and people may may say, well, there's Michael Thomas. It's not playing. That's why, you know, everything's funneling through uh, Alvin Kamara. We're not realizing one thing. And, Jake, I know you're a Drew Brees owner. You've been high on Drew Brees all year. I'm sorry. Drew Brees does not look the same. All his passes are going low. He doesn't have the same zip on the ball. So where is he going to target? Hyper-efficiently, he's going to target Alvin Kamara out of the backfield. And I think that it's just going to be loads. And, And get that guy in any sort of space. We watched him last night literally glide to a touchdown. It looked like he almost stopped running. Thought he was going to run out of bounds and turned it upfield, turned the Jets on and ran for a touchdown. Dude's an absolutely incredible athlete. And Drew Brees isn't throwing the ball down the field like we thought he was going to. Uh, now, Michael Thomas lives in that short and intermediate route whenever he comes back. So the, Michael Michael Thomas will be just fine whenever he comes back. But they're going to ease him in on that high ankle sprain. It's going to be what's up for Kamara. He's going to be a monster all year long. Just enjoy, have Kamara and just enjoy the ride because he's going to be an absolute animal. I, d- I do think his, Kamara's upside is capped when Thomas comes back. I mean, that's almost a given. This this 140 yards receiving, how many catches did he have, Jake? Can you can you hit me up with that? 
14 targets, 13 receptions. 14 targets. You're not going to get 14 targets with Michael Thomas in that. No, you're not. Yeah, that that's just stupid. That's way, way stupid. So it's it's capped. I mean, he's like he's RB one easily. But in a year with CMC and Saquon going down, I think he's the next best thing. I mean, who, I mean it's between him and Zeke. Zeke, yeah, Zeke's not gonna. Zeke's kind of struggling right now. Yeah, they're all about throwing the ball in that offense right now yeah, with, uh, so, with I mean, all the receivers they have. So you know, I think that maybe in a normal year, no, he's not the RB one. But based off process of elimination and how good he's looked, I think he's the RB1 this year. Yeah. All right, guys, let's move to some waiver selections for this week. And I'm going to start with the guy that I'm pretty sure is going to be the number one waiver priority. And that is Justin Jefferson. And how sick is this guy? The the uber-talented slot receiver out of LSU. Uh, I saw a stat. He's actually the first Vikings rookie-wide receiver with 100 yards in the first half since Randy Moss in 1998. He is a very, very special talent, and I think with that game, he officially cements himself as the wide receiver two in Minnesota. So I'm curious, and I'll go to you first, Nate. If you're in need of a wide receiver, how much are you willing to bid on Justin Jefferson heading into week four? Oh, man. If you're in need... You know what? I'm sorry. I I once again skipped over the stat line. Nine targets, seven receptions, one... 175 yards and a touchdown just under 30 fantasy points for Justin Jefferson. You may continue, Mr. Hall. Okay. So after a little bit of thought, if you're in need of a wide receiver, I don't, I don't see people going over 15% of your fantasy budget on this guy. I think if you want to, if you really need them and you want to get them, I think anywhere from, 15 to 20% of what you have might be enough to secure him. If you want to get risky, you can probably put 10% down on this guy and maybe get him. And that's only because of this offense being definitely shaky on the pass. But I think that this is a great opportunity to pick up a guy on a team who's going to be throwing a lot more often now that their defense is on the low. And I think he is, he's definitely stud. I mean, that stat line speaks for itself and, if you if you need someone who's going to help you out right now, fifteen percent, put it down, get your guy. Yeah, and and Donnie, we're, obviously we can't expect to see one hundred and seventy five yards and a touchdown week in and week out from Justin Jefferson. But what do you, what do you expect from a season long perspective on this guy? So here's the thing, Jake, about Justin Jefferson, and Nate brings up all great points. My, the point I want to bring up about Justin Jefferson is this Vikings defense has literally been shredded every single game this year. So you look at uh, a negative game script pretty much every game. And, you know, what the, the Vikings want to do is they want to play defense and run the football. They can't do that right now. That defense is in shambles. Xavier Rhodes is not the guy that he used to be. Harrison Smith's not the guy he used to be. So they're, Kirk Cousins is going to have to pass the ball. It's not going to be an option. And it's going to be a lot of Dalvin Cook out of the backfield and getting it to Adam Thielen and now Justin Jefferson. They took him in the first round for a reason. He's definitely worth a pickup. I think, you know, I'm not big on rookie wide receivers. And, you know, some pops here and there. But uh, when all lanes clear open and in mostly negative game script, I could definitely see Justin Jefferson being worth a pickup. And he's going to be, you know, if if it keeps going the way it is, he's easily a fine wide receiver three that you can plug in week in and week out. Okay, this next one's going to hurt me a little bit as a Falcons fan, but at this point, I'm really kind of numb to it, so maybe it's not going to hurt so bad, but let's just rip the Band-Aid off. 
Uh, this guy is more of a two quarterback and super flex pickup, but Nick Foles is going to be available in just about every league. 188 yards, three touchdowns, 21 fantasy points. Oh, and he only played a quarter and a half, I believe. Uh, he relieved Mitch Trubisky in the third quarter after an interception and still proceeded to score three touchdowns against the disaster of an Atlanta defense. And it was kind of the perfect game for Nick Foles to debut in. Uh, Matt Nagy has already announced that Nick Foles is going to be the starter in week four and going forward. So, I mean, what is Nick Foles worth to someone who needs a quarterback, Nate? Uh, how much, you know, how much of your fab are you spending on Nick Foles? If, if your quarterback is Gardner Minshew, if your quarterback is Baker Mayfield and, you, and you're scared, if your quarterback's Daniel Jones, what are you paying for uh, Nick Foles? Dude, I don't think I would put a single dollar on Nick oh, Foles. I mean, take. listen, I know we have him in the waiver section. Maybe Jake, maybe you and Donnie have different opinions than me, but I just don't think this man has it. I don't think he's going to help your team. You're the, gonna... He was the Super Bowl MVP. He doesn't. Oh have... my! What doesn't he have? Get that out of here. Listen, dude. The worst defense in football is probably the Atlanta Falcons in the fourth quarter. It's and he roasted probably. them. So what? He beat the worst defense in football because Falcons can't stop shit in the fourth quarter, apparently. And this man, Nick Foles, took it. Listen, all right, let me give you some actual reasoning behind why I think you shouldn't pick up Nick Foles. I don't think he is better than anyone you would have on your squad already. I would take Herbert over Foles. I would take... Uh, Minshew over Foles. I'd take Fitzpatrick over Foles. I'd take friggin' Dwayne Haskins over Nick Foles. Oh, come on, dude! You really, you really? Why do you think he's that? Why do you think he's gonna help the team that much? I don't know how you can rank him as the thirty-second quarterback in your rankings after all we've seen from Nick Foles is a quarter and a half of dominance of coming back. Sure, Atlanta's used to it. Um, you know, I've seen plenty of these blown leads. But what he did was fantastic. He looks very poised in the pocket. He's hitting Allen Robinson. He's hitting Anthony Miller. He's worth a waiver pickup if you need a quarterback. And You're talking about the man who 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 came back for Jackson. He got he was doing okay for Jacksonville for like a half a game. Got hurt. Came back and did so bad that the mustache Minshew literally took his job back. An undrafted free agent, dude. I really don't think again. You're gonna if, get if you want to cherry pick scenarios, he's the guy who was on the goal line in the Super Bowl against the Patriots and <laughs> ran a route and got a pitch route. All right, all right. Let me, let me. You guys stand down. We need stand a mediator down. here because I'm in the middle of you two. So I was kind of letting you guys go there. Ugh. Couple things. He sucks. <laughs> J- yes, Jake. I agree. He's worth a pickup in two quarterback leagues. Any quarterback with a breathing, living soul in two quarterback superflex leagues needs to be picked up. Except Mitch Trubisky. Nate, I agree with you, and the fact that yes, we watched the game. He should have. Ha- he looked horrible right off the bat. He should have got picked off in the end zone. It was a pick, and then they overturned it. He wasn't expecting to even start. What do you what do you expect from this guy? I mean, uh, when Mr. Trubisky's in front of you, you got to be yeah. ready to start at all times. Thank you. In, in in the next four weeks for Nick Foles, Indianapolis best second best uh, pass defense in the league. Tampa Bay top five pass defense in the league. Carolina surprisingly best pass defense in the league. L.A. Rams top eight pass defense pass defense in the league. All that adds up. 
I'm not picking up Nick Foles, even in a two quarterback league. Let someone else go spend 20 bucks on him and waste their money whenever he could have two bad games and Mitch Trubisky's right back in there. It's going to be a flip-flop process the rest of the way. But all that being said, could I see a world where Nick Foles is solid? Sure. But outside of the t- his time in Philly, Nick Foles has been terrible. He's been inactive for most of his time outside Philly. No, you, he hasn't. You Carolina is one of the best against the quarterback in the league. All right. I smell, I smell a freaking bet coming on, Nate. Yeah. Oh, I'm trying to get into a bet here. Carolina shut down Derek Carr and Justin Herbert. Wow. Listen, Jake, I have a bet offer for you right now. I, I I don't know what you guys how how do you guys uh wager? We do beer bets, but we can do whatever. Listen, I bet you uh whatever, a case of beer is fine. Case of beer. Beer bet. Beer bet right here, put it up. That uh Jeff Driscoll will have more fantasy points than Nick Foles by the time Drew Locke comes back. I'm gonna insert a big fart noise right there. That it'll be very appropriate. I think we can move off of Nick Foles. We've all hold on. You didn't whoa, take whoa, the bet. Whoa, 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 whoa. Are you taking the bet or no? Is it this week? Nick Foles ever? No, no, no. He said oh. until Drew Lock comes back, those games in between. Yeah. Who has more fantasy points? Isn't that funny how Driscoll isn't good enough to take over Drew Lock and his offense, but Nick Foles is good enough to be named the starter after one? Yeah, but Drew Lock's. Drew Lock. I'll, I'll take that bet. Yeah. Easy. Easy beer. All right, enough. We got we got off the rails here. We're obviously going to go over on time on this show, but it's okay. We're having fun on this one. I'm a little sweaty now after the Nick Foles argument, but we're going to move on. But we're going to stay on the Chicago Bears. I want to know what you guys think about Jimmy Graham because normally I wouldn't priorita- prioritize tight ends, but if you're a Hayden Hurst owner, if you're a Dallas Goddard owner, if you're an Austin Hooper owner, there's scenarios where you need to go out there, and if you don't want to trade for a guy, you can put out some fab on Jimmy Graham. Ten targets, six receptions, 60 yards, and two touchdowns. That's 21 fantasy points. Uh, it looks like Matt Nagy's kind of making it a point to get Jimmy Graham the ball in the end zone, in the red zone, really. Uh, hey, do you guys know that Jimmy Graham used to play basketball? Yeah, maybe I've heard that before. Nice. Three, t- three touchdowns. And Did you really not know that, Nate? <laughs> No, I all right. Yeah, three, they talk about that every time he plays. Three touchdowns in three games, 28 targets in three games. And he looked really good after Nick Foles came in under center. It's not like that's not going to make a difference. Uh, but uh, judging by the thumbs down you guys were giving me through that whole rant, I, I guess I know your answer, but I'll ask you, D Hall. Can you depend on Jimmy Graham week to week, or will he be more of a, a touchdown dependent tight end going forward? He's 100% a touchdown dependent tight end. With Jimmy Graham, sure, he's going to have these games where he's going to catch a touchdown here or there, 60 yards here and there. Sure, he's going to have those games. But in an offense that can't support, we were worried about Allen Robinson last week, Jake. They, how, they have a new quarterback. No, dude. How in the hell could we worry about Allen Robinson in the same breath Allen Robinson being supported? And then we're going to advocate Jimmy Graham. I think you're because way off on this it, one, dude. He sucks. Listen, I guarantee you there's a team out there in your league that has two good tight ends. Whether it's they took a top five tight end and a Noah Fant or took, uh, you know, made a trade and have Zach Ertz and John U. Smith. A situation like that. And there is a team out there that you can go get in the tight end and not have to pay out of the box for it. 
you can make that deal happen. Uh, and there's still some guys. I would take Mo Ali Cox over Jimmy Graham. Okay, hold on. I, I have a little comment, quick comment about the Jimmy Graham situation. I think he's at least worth three or four bucks. It's always that's, decent. That's the answer I was looking for right there. You throw something at him. I mean, you probably, sure, sure. You want to throw three dollars on him? Fine. You probably have a crappy guy you can drop. Tight end's a shitty position to mess with. If he sticks, then you have something good for you. But my argument for Donnie, listen, listen to my argument. I'm not for Jimmy to Graham. You. All right, listen. Bad quarterbacks love targeting the tight end. This is true. That's all I have to say. This is true. This is true. Bad quarterbacks love their tight ends, man. They bail them out. So we could see Jimmy Graham getting some bailout games from Nick Foles here. All the more reason, Jake, and this will be the last thing I say on this. All the more reason we preach to you guys in the offseason. Preached and preached. Either you get one of the top tier tight ends or you go get a no fan, a John U. Smith, a TJ Hawkinson. You do one or the other. You don't play with these middle round guys. That They just struggle. And Jimmy Graham was one of those guys. He was like tight end eight, tight end nine. No, thank you. Got to stick with – got to stick – with what you know, you got to go with the top tight ends or try to find two guys in the back end to try to pop off. Chris Carson had his leg wrapped up in the end of that Seattle game. And it really, bullshit. Yeah, it was bullshit. And, the, and a really nasty play by a, a Dallas defensive lineman. I don't even know the guy's name. Uh, but it didn't look good. And I think it was diagnosed as a knee sprain last I saw. Uh, but Chris Carson's usually good for like 15 or so carries if he's active. And... The last report I saw was he actually might be good to go for next week. Uh, I'm skeptical at best uh, about his availability for next week. That being said, Carlos Hyde appears like the next man up. Assuming Chris Carson misses time, is this Hyde's backfield, or do you think Travis Homer or DJ Dallas gets involved uh, going forward? And, and, you know, All that being said, if you guys could just roll in, how much you'd be willing to pay for Carlos Hyde this week? Donnie? Uh, maybe three or four dollars, uh, you know, max. I'm not, I'm not looking. This isn't an offense where they're predicated on running the football. This is Seattle's offensive last year, or the year before, or the year before that. They said Pete Carroll's throwing his hands up and said, Listen, I got one of the best quarterbacks in the game, I'm gonna let him cook. And that's what we talked about off the top, uh, with the Tyler Lockett, DJ, DK Metcalf argument. Chris Carson's uh, a fine running back. Uh, but I don't think the Carlos Hyde or Homer, I just don't think that they're worth a major pickup, especially if Chris Carson could potentially come back this week. If he doesn't come back this week, he's definitely going to be back the following week. So, you know, I just don't think it's worth blowing all kinds of fab. Uh, let's move on to, to another guy here. Greg Ward, 11 targets, eight receptions, 72 yards and a touchdown. I mean, this Philadelphia offense, I don't know what the trainers are putting in the water in Philadelphia, but it is a train wreck. Deshaun Jackson, hamstring. Dallas Goddard, ankle. Jalen Rager, thumb injury. Uh, outside of Zach Ertz, this offense has no other receiving options. I don't I don't mean, we don't know the severity of Jackson's injury. Uh, last I saw, Goddard is supposed to miss, quote-unquote, some time. So even if it's just a one or two week rental, I feel like Greg Ward kind of presents some value on uh, volume alone in week four. Uh, do you, either of you guys think he's worth a bid this week? Yeah, I mean, I, I I think you could put a couple dollars down on him if you if you need some sort of flex upside. Uh, who's Philadelphia's next matchup, Jake? Can you 49ers. 
49ers. Okay. So that, I mean, that's tough, but 49ers, their defense is kind of porous nowadays. Mm-hmm. They lost their top corner and, yep. um, He's definitely worth a look. I mean, I if I if I wanted a decent flex play for the week, I'd probably throw three or four dollars, five dollars if I really want them on uh, Greg Ward. No one else is probably going to look at him. And especially Nate it, to go off of that in a game where they're going to be at least a touchdown underdog. True. Uh, you know, against the 49ers, um, a, a late game on Sunday night that just the a team that just lost Dallas Goddard. I mean, this team's falling apart for pass catchers again. What like we always see every year with this team, there's not many guys that are able to pa- catch the ball, um, to car- from Carson Wentz, and that's maybe why we're seeing Carson Wentz struggle so much. Because I mean, who does he have the ball throw the ball to? There's not many guys out there, but they got to move the ball somehow, and that's possibly a negative game script. I think that Gray Ward is a fine one-week flex pickup play, maybe put 2 or $3 on him. And more likely than not, you can wake up Wednesday morning if you get up early enough and just snag him for free. True. So Alvin Kamara was the star of the show on Sunday night, no doubt. But on the other side of the ball, how about Alan Lazard? Eight targets, six receptions, just under 150 yards and a touchdown. That's good for 24 fantasy points. And don't get me wrong, I think Lazard's a fine receiver. He made some big plays on Sunday night against New Orleans. But context is important here. There was no Devontae Adams. He did not play in this game. And when active, Adams is going to command double-digit targets every single time. It's, it, you know, lock it in. It's no doubt. Uh, and m- myself, I'm not so interested on bidding on a guy who I think can is probably going to put up a five-point ga- five performance here, a five-point performance there. And then maybe he has these big pop-off games every now and again. On top of all that, Green Bay has their bye during week five. So if Lazard sucks next week against Atlanta, you're carrying that dead weight on your roster for at least two weeks. Are either you guys in on Alan Lazard? I mean, he's he's been solid two out of three weeks. I'm just worried about how he is once Devontae Adams is back in the lineup. I am in personally on Alan Lazard. I am. In? in? I am, yes. I am, in on, I am in on Alan Lazard. I think this has been, and this is what we talked about going into the season. This is the Aaron Rodgers revenge tour. You're going to take a quarterback in the first round? Okay, I'll show you that I'm still one of the best quarterbacks in the league. And we had Devontae Adams out this week, but Aaron Rodgers still put up a great game. You know, we we need to start looking at this as Aaron Rodgers is back into a top eight, top six best quarterback in the game of fantasy right now. He's killing it. And he doesn't have his best receiver, at least not this week. You know, I think that Alan Lazard, and, and just a couple things to go with that, Alan Lazard is best friends with Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers did an interview where he talked about all the times that Alan Lazard was disrespected. Look it up. You can find it. It's very interesting stuff. Are, they, know, having, are they having, like, sleepovers and shit? He went there for Thanksgiving this year. Wow. Okay. So maybe I'm, so maybe I should up my bit a little bit on Alan Lazard. I'm just saying I am in on Alan Lazard. I'm, I think that Aaron Rodgers is on a revenge tour this year. He looks fantastic. Um, I'm just I really like that prospect. And let's be honest, what's it going to cost you to get Alan Lazard? Not much. I mean, he's a number two receiver. People, we've been down the Alan Lazard, Marquez Valdez, Scantling train we've been down this before but i think alan lazard sets himself above uh marquez 
Nate, uh, Donnie's all in on Alan Lazard, but I'm curious if you needed to pick up a wide receiver this week, if you'd be more interested in Alan Lazard or Greg Ward. Yeah, I'm more interested in Greg Ward. I think honest, I think Adams is coming back from the hamstring next week. I, I think they held him out uh, prematurely. Um, just like just being careful. I don't really have as strong as the take as D Hall. I just I'm just looking at the games where Adams is in in the first week. Um, Adams played. Um, what's his name? Uh, Aaron Rodgers went off, and Lazard caught a touchdown. But other than that, he only had four four targets uh, for 63 yards. And I think Adams demands all the targets, all the catches out of that. So I mean, if if Adams is back, Lazard's a nobody. You're not starting him. So I don't. It's I would take Ward. All right. Well, that's all we got for this episode. We will catch you guys later this week when we do our starts and our sits. Uh, as for D Hall, go follow his podcast. Go download his podcast at the Near Falls with D Hall on Apple, on Spotify, and everywhere you get podcasts. Nate, you want to drop that Twitter handle for the audience? Yes, please. I would love to. At the Hall Monitor on Twitter. D A H A L L M O N I T R. Watching your halls. The Hall Monitor. Thanks for listening, guys. We will catch you in a couple days. See you.